This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman still doesn't know that on a mysterious island in the Far East, his friends Batman and Robin are helpless against an enemy which they can neither see nor hear. Batman, I, I feel weak. I can't stand up. I, I can't either, Robin. Great Lucifer, there's an orange circle on your forehead. An orange circle? Yeah, there's one on your forehead, too. What goes on here? It's the diamond. The diamond? Yeah. The radioactive diamond. They're on this island. Christopher, then we're done for, Batman. Yeah. Yeah, we're finished. Gang, ever heard the famous old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away? Of course, that's not necessarily true, but whether it's true or not, you'll agree that there are not many things more delicious than a nice, juicy apple. Picture a cool, crisp one in your hand right now. First, you polish the outside with the palm of your hand, then crunch. You let your teeth sink in. Mm-hmm. You taste the cool sweetness of it. Man, oh man, that sure is good. Oh, now, hold on. This is not a commercial for apples. I'm just using apples to prove a point. Like this. Did you know that there are more than 7,500 varieties of apples grown in this country? Isn't that incredible? Now, my point is, who's to say one kind of apple is better than another? Sometimes you get a hankering for a sweet, fleshy one. Sometimes you want one with a tartar taste. Sometimes you want them for apple sauce or apple pie. It's all a matter of taste and occasion. Well, you know, it's pretty much the same with people. Why, I'll bet we have as many different kind of people in this country as we have apples. Different-looking people, different-acting people, different-sounding people. And if they're all good citizens, you can't say one is better than another. Because each has its own place in the community, its own very own job to do. And actually, the variety of people is what makes and keeps this country strong and healthy. So remember, next time some joker talks about how he's better than someone else, 
because of the way he happens to park his hair, or something else just as ridiculous, remind him, he isn't the only apple in the barrel. And now, the adventures of Superman! Superman and his famous friends Batman and Robin have been collaborating with the police to find the source of deadly radioactive diamonds which are being smuggled into the United States and endangering the entire population. Discovering a clue which pointed to Shanghai, China, Superman took Batman and Robin there to investigate while he returned to Metropolis to search for an agent of the diamond smugglers. In Shanghai, Batman and Robin caught up with a leader of the smugglers, a man named Roger Kilfern, who, in an attempt to escape them, took off in his amphibian plane unaware that the dynamic duo had followed him and were clinging to the plane's pontoon. Several hours later, as dawn was breaking, the plane approached an island and went down for a landing. Batman and Robin dove into the sea and swam to shore, where they discovered several low stone houses which gave off a strange gleam. Then they saw two men approaching who were dressed in grotesque costumes, not unlike diver suits. At that moment, the dynamic duo became oddly weak. They were unable to stand up. And on each of their foreheads appeared an orange circle. It's made Batman. I know the answer now, Robin. We're being exposed to radioactivity. Radioactivity? Yes. This is the this is the island the diamonds come from. The whole place must be radioactive. Well, well, what will we do, Batman? I don't know. We could walk, get back into the sea, we we get our strength back. But I can barely move. I can't either. And those two guys are heading this way. I know. How come the radioactivity doesn't weaken them? Oh, baggy suits and hoods they're wearing must protect them from the rays. Oh. Boy, is this a fine kettle of fish. If the radioactivity doesn't finish us, Kilfern will. Yeah. Hey, wait. Kilfern won't recognize us in our Batman and Robin costume. Well, maybe not, but... Oh, hold it, Robin. Here come those two lads. Now let me do the talking. Take off your costume now, Kilfern. The rays can't get into this house. The walls are lined with lead. So what? You said the rays could not escape from the first batch of diamonds that I sent the metropolis to the count. And look what happened. Six people were near death there from radioactivity. I know, but there was something wrong with the lead glass coating we put on the first batch. We've got it fixed up now, though, so the coating won't crack or melt for at least six months. That's fine, folks, but I'm afraid your efforts were in vain. Why? Six months is enough for us to unload all our diamonds? After that, who cares what happened? Something's happened already. We've got to change our plans in a hurry. Change our plans? Exactly. But why? Because the police know we've been smuggling in the stones to the United States by way of Shanghai. You're kidding. Not at all! more, they know that I'm involved in the racket. That's why I flew out here today. Holy smokes. How did they find out? I don't know, but I had a close call in Shanghai last night with two young fellows named Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson who were working with the Metropolis Police. I just managed to get away by the skin of my teeth. Ah, uh, do they know about this island? No, no, they don't. Are you sure? I'm positive that there's no way they could know. What if the Count talk? It's possible I had the Count rubbed out by Limehouse as soon as the police began looking for him. But he might have talked before he died. Forget the Count talks. He knew nothing about this island. Okay. Now, what about your gang in Shanghai? They don't know about the island either. But I'm hot now, Fox. So we can't use Shanghai as a base anymore. Okay, then you'd better stay here. We'll find somebody else to unload the diamonds for the fences hey, in the... Hey, Foxy! What's up, Joe? Close the door, fool! Hey, Max, Joe, what gives, Joe? Oh, and they just found two guys on a feature. 
me outside. Why? I don't know. They said their plane crashed in the ocean about an hour ago, and they swam ashore. They were in funny clothes, tight costumes, and capes and hoods. Masks, too. Where are they, Joe? Right outside in the tunnel. They couldn't move on the kind of radioactivity got to them, but we tied them up anyway. Bring them in here. Okay. Hey, Lou. Yeah. Foxy says the bring guys in. I don't like this, Foxy. Our island is far off all the air lanes. How can they crash here? We'll find out about that, Joe, friend. Hey, can't stand up, Foxy. Should we drop him right here? Yeah, Joe. Now, nah, let's... Smoke it, Batman and Robin. Uh-oh. Look who's here, Robin. Charles Fox. You know these two folks. I say I know them. They sent me up to the big house one time. I always said I'd get him for that. <laughs> and look, they walk right into my head. But how did they get here? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I almost forgot that. Well, how about that, Batman? You got an answer ready? Sure. We were flying back to the States from, from Hong Kong. And we got caught in a storm and blown off our course. And our, our motors conked out and crashed into the sea. Oh, we saw this island swam ashore. And when we got ashore... We suddenly lost our strength. What gives on this island, Foxy? You don't know, huh? No, but I'm sure it's something crooked. You're mixed up in it. Funny, I. Look, you know what radioactivity is, don't you, Batman? Yes. Well, that's what's the matter with you and Robin. You've been exposed to radioactivity. What? Huh? Not the real strong rays. They're over on the meteor and in the diamond vault. Meteor? Diamond vault? Yeah. The prettiest sight you ever saw. A big concrete and lead ball full of diamonds. And all of them sent off enough radioactivity to wipe out a big city. Uh, <laughs> sounds charming. Yeah. Should be a very interesting thing to see. Well, you're going to see for yourself, Batman. You and Robin. Really? How nice. Yeah. We're going to put you in the diamond ball. What? Now, wait. So take a good look quick when you get in there. On account of you won't be able to enjoy the sight. Not for long. Because the rays in there will finish you fast. Now, Batman and Robin are condemned to death in the ball of radioactive diamonds. What will happen? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Thousands of miles away from the island of radioactive diamonds, Superman, unaware of Batman and Robin, predicament, ranged through the sky above Metropolis, searching for Roger Kilfern's agent, the red-headed Cockney. Tirelessly, for more than 24 hours, the Man of Steel has been cruising above the great city, now flashing in great art, now poised in curious flight, his keen eyes searching the endless skyscrapers, apartment buildings, mansions, and humble bungalows below him, hunting for the man he believes holds the key to the secret of the dead diamond. Evening is falling again now, and Superman, high in the sunset-tinted clouds, is above the Limits. Well, there's still no sign of my man. I've covered practically every inch of Metropolis. I know the police had the city ringed inside, but he must have slipped out somehow. Well, I'm afraid I'm licked, so I might as well head back. Wait a minute. There's a red-headed man in the attic of that little bungalow. Yes, he answers the Cockney's description, all right. And there's a lead box on his table. The Cockney has radioactive diamonds in a lead box. Well, this may be my man at last. Down through that open skylight. Down! I'll tell you in a moment, my friend, and I'll apologize, too, if necessary. But first, I want to look at this box, if you don't mind. No, don't help me. No! Ah, these are the radioactive diamonds. How's the box closer to your killer's mouth? So, you are the man I want, eh? what's the... Come on, talk and talk fast. Where did these diamonds come from? (laughs) 
face to face with Roger Kilfern's murderous agent at last, what will Superman learn? Does the company know the existence of the Diamond Island and its location? And if he doesn't, how can even Superman save the lives of Batman and Robin? What will happen? Monday's episode is packed with thrills, suspense, and exciting surprises, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Tune in Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 16 of The Secret of Meteor Island on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, but with exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. <laughs> Today in Shanghai, China, a police official gives Superman some bad news about his friends Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, who are really Batman and Robin. We have been able to account for Mr. Wayne and Grayson's movement last night, Superman. Oh, fine. Where did they go, sir? They left Shanghai and Roger Kilfern's plane. On Kilfern's plane? Yes. And I am sorry to say there is good reason to believe that no one will ever see them again. In 1776, boys and girls, the United States was a small, weak nation fighting desperately for its very existence. The war for independence against all-powerful Great Britain was, to men, on many onlookers, ridiculous. How could America ever hope to win? But to a few men in Europe, the fight for American independence became their fight. They wanted to see a real democracy established, a land where men of every race and religion could live together in peace. And they were willing to help that nation win its independence. 
They were willing to fight and even to die for so noble a cause. Accordingly, from France came the now famous Lafayette. From Poland, the great General Kosciuszko. Von Steuben came from Germany to drill our troops, and Pulaski from Poland soon joined his compatriots. From all over Europe came men who wanted to help a young democracy grow strong and independent. Well, we Americans have never forgotten them. Nor have we forgotten the way they helped train our armies and plan our strategies. We know that we might not be free Americans today if these men had not come when they were so desperately needed. And in gratitude, now that our nation is strong, Americans often try to help other new democracies that are fighting for their lives. Colonel David Mickey Marcus was such an American. He had been a West Point graduate and a colonel in the United States Army. And last January, this famous fighter went to the new nation of Israel to help it join the ranks of democratic nations. At the end of this program, we'll tell you the thrilling story of Colonel Mickey Marcus in the land of Israel. And now, the adventures of Superman! In Shanghai, China, where they were trying to discover who was smuggling deadly radioactive diamonds into the United States, Batman and Robin contacted a man named Roger Kilfern, who turned out to be a leader of the gang. The chase led them then to a distant Pacific island, the source of the strange diamonds, where Batman and Robin were kept by the gang and condemned to be placed in a lead-lined concrete vault with the highly radioactive gems. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, thousands of miles away in Metropolis, Superman searched every inch of the great city. And finally, in the attic of a bungalow, he located the red-headed, ferret-faced agent of the smugglers, who whipped out a gun and leveled it at him. I don't know who you are in them funny clothes, matey, but you seem to know about the diamonds. So I'm going to blow your blinking head off. Don't make me laugh. All right. Remember, you asked for it. Look at the... Surprise? The, the bullets bounce right off you. Right. Now, before someone comes to investigate those shots, I'll take the box of diamonds and you... Put me down, We'll go high up into the sky where we can have a quiet little talk. Up through that skylight. Up, up, and away! Well, nice view of the city from up here, isn't it? Don't drop me, mister. Whoever you are. I want if you'll talk and talk fast. Where do those radioactive diamonds come from? Uh, I don't know. It's a long way down to Earth. Want to get down alone? No, don't, don't drop me. Then talk. Where do those diamonds come from? Well, all I know is they come from, from some island. An island? What island? I don't know. That's all Mr. Kilfern told me to try help me. Does this Kilfern operate in Shanghai? Aye, that's right. Now, please. Right. About that clue I found on the count was right. What's your name? Limehouse, they call me. But, but listen, I didn't do nothing wrong, Mr. Honest. Quiet. Just... Are there any other radioactive diamonds in the country apart from the ones in this box? Not yet, there ain't. But Mr. Kilfern is going to send lots more in. Oh, he is, eh? Yes. You see, I told you all I know, mister. I'm cooperating, I am. Now take me down and let me go. That's a good chap. Are you kidding? I'm taking you to police headquarters. No, no, Then no, I'm going to join I... Batman and Robin in Shanghai and pick up Mr. Kilfern. Away! Speaking to police headquarters, Superman leaves the cowed limehouse and the diamond, then rockets away again across the continent and over the Pacific to Shanghai, China. A short time later, having resumed his disguise of reporter Clark Kent, Superman, frowning worriedly, is closeted with Commissioner Lee of the Shanghai Police. 
can't understand it, Commissioner. The clerk at the King George Hotel tells me that Batman and... I mean, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson walked out of the hotel night before last and haven't come back yet. Yes, Mr. Kent. That is so. Well, I thought perhaps Bruce and Dick might already have caught up with Roger Kilfern, They but... did, Mr. Kent. They did? Yes. But by now, they must be someplace at the bottom of the ocean. At the bottom of the ocean? Yes. But let me tell you all I know from the beginning. This is incredible. I Please can't... listen, Mr. Kent. This morning, Mr. Wilson called on me and identified himself as an American treasury agent. Well, what's he got to do with this? Mr. Wilson was seeking the diamond smugglers. And by means of the information you collected in Metropolis, he followed a trail to Roger Kilfern, who he believed was the man in charge of the actual smuggling operation. Well, never mind all that, Commissioner. What I want to know is where... All this is essential, Mr. Kent. Please let me continue. Sorry. Yesterday, we picked up a giant Chinese, one Sting, who was known to be Kilfern's personal servant. Oh? Sting confessed that your friends, Bruce Wayne and young Grayson, had come aboard Kilfern's houseboat two nights ago and had engaged in a furious fight with Kilfern and his men. And... And you mean Bruce and Dick were... were killed? No, no, not then. During the fight, Kilfern escaped from the boat to a secret airstrip in the woods where he apparently kept a plane for his smuggling operations. Your friends pursued him. Yes, yes, then what? Kilfern took off in his plane just as your friends arrived. But they hurled themselves at his landing gear, seized it, and were carried aloft over the sea, dangling in the air. Right, Scott. And I assume they must have fallen... They could hang on no longer. The wind... Oh, don't be too I... sure of that. Batman, I mean, Bruce and Dick are great acrobats. They may have lashed themselves to the landing gear, and, and they may have ridden it out. Possible, Mr. Kent, but highly improbable. Oh, you don't know those two. But where did Kilfern fly them? That's what I've got to know. That I cannot tell you. What? I have no idea. Wait, why... wait a minute. Kilfern knew Bruce and Dick were onto his operation. So the chances are he made for the island where the radioactive diamonds come from. Uh, what island is that? Oh, if only I knew. Look, Commissioner, you say you caught a couple of Kilfern's gangs. Maybe they know where the island is. No, Mr. Kent. They know nothing of any island, nor of where the diamonds come from. No. You may take my word for that. I grew them myself. Oh, then where do we go from here? Bruce and Dick must be in danger, and with Kilfern flown the coop, I don't even know where to start to look. I wish I could aid you. One moment. What? The treasury man, Mr. Wilson. Yes? He said he had an idea of where the diamonds come from. He did? Where is he? At the King George Hotel, where your friends were. Oh, then he's the man I want to see, and fast. Thanks, Commissioner. I'll check with you later. And the treasury agent tells Superman the location of the fabulous island. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Rushing to his hotel room in Shanghai, Clark Kent talks with Treasury Agent Wilson, who tells him... Yes, Mr. Kent. I'm quite sure I know where the radioactive diamonds come from. Where, Mr. Wilson? Tell me. From a meteor. A meteor? Right. From a meteor which fell to Earth not too long ago, considering the high amount of radioactivity which is still present in the diamonds. Wait a minute. I, I know that diamonds are sometimes found in meteorites, but they're, they're microscopically small and, and coal black. These diamonds are various shades of white, and, and they're huge, as big as eggs. I know, but the tiny black diamonds you're referring to are found in iron meteors, Kent. That's right. I'm oh. referring to stone meteors. Stone? Oh, I didn't know that. Very little is known of stone meteors because they're so very rare. 
But we've analyzed the stone, adhering to the radioactive diamond you recovered in Metropolis. There's no question of it being meteoric. Well, well, if you're right, Mr. Wilson, where is this meteor? Tell me and I'll... That I don't know, Mr. Kent. Not yet. Uh-oh. But I propose to organize an expedition to search for it. How about your coming along? No, no, that, that, that'll take too long. Great Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are in immediate great danger. Besides, any number of radioactive diamonds may be smuggled into our country before you locate the meteor island. True, but there's no faster way. We use planes and... Yes, there is a quicker way. The only way that might work out in time. What way is that, Kent? My way, and I'm going to get started at once. This instant. Wish me luck, Mr. Wilson. Certainly, but I don't understand... And I can't explain. I'm off now. So long. Hurrying away from the puzzled treasury agent, Clark Kent pauses in the deserted hotel garden to strip off his street clothes. And a moment later, he takes to the air in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Up, up, and away! Rocketing up into the China sky, the Man of Steel flashes out over the vast ocean to begin his search for the fabulous island of radioactive diamonds. And for Batman and Robin, who at this very moment have been placed in the vault filled with huge, deadly radioactive diamonds to die. And even Superman, with his great powers, discover the tiny island in time to save the lives of Batman and Robin. There are thrills galore in tomorrow's climactic episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 17 of The Secret of Meteor Island on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, on a secret radioactive island, Charlie Fox, a smuggler, reports to his partner, Roger Kilburn, on the fate of Batman and Robin. Okay, Kilburn, you can forget all about Batman and Robin. Uh, what did you do to the box? I locked them in the diamond vault. The diamond vault? That's right. <laughs> there, as you know, the rays from the stone will finish them in a hurry. <laughs> Say, boys and girls, have you ever watched a house being built? If there's one going up anywhere around your neighborhood, I'll bet you have. Because even grown-ups find it so fascinating, they'll spend hours and hours being sidewalk superintendents. And if you get tired of watching one operation, there's always something else to catch your eye. The masons pouring the concrete, the carpenters, the steelworkers putting up the framework, the bricklayers, the plumbers, the electricians, the roofers. There are many different groups of craftsmen who work together to put up a house. And each with something very important to add. 
Now, gang, that's the way this country was built, too. Lots of willing workers, people from all over the world, people of different races, different origins, and different religions, all contributed their skills and their cultures in an effort to build the best country on earth for themselves and their children and their neighbors' children. And so far, the building has been going very, very well, because there isn't a better place to live in the whole world than in our United States. But you're never quite finishing building anything so big as a nation. There's always something you and I and everybody else can add to make it stronger and better and a happier place for all. And just as a bricklayer could never build a satisfactory house without the carpenter to build the framework or the roofer to put the cover on it, so every single one of us is needed for the job of continuing to build our country. Remember that, Gary. In order to keep our country growing straight and strong, we must work side by side with all our fellow Americans. We've got the finest blueprints to work by, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution with its Bill of Rights. And if we keep working to build according to those plans, we can't go wrong. And now, the adventures of Superman. On a secret island in the South Pacific, which is the source of deadly radioactive diamonds being smuggled into the United States, the famous Batman Robin faced death at the hands of the smugglers. Meanwhile, on the trail of his friends, Superman takes off to Shanghai, China, to search for the unknown island with only two slender clues to guide him. A suspicion that the island consisted in part of a meteorite and that it lay not too far from Shanghai. Now his crimson cape screaming in the wind, Superman is rocketing through empty gray skies, his keen eyes searching the vast wastes of heaving ocean below him. No sign of that meteoric island yet. But if there is such an island, I'll find it. I must. Away! Faster! As the man of steel hurled through the air, wheeling and darting like some great hawk, Batman and Robin give up hope at last. On the floor of a large rock vault on the secret island, without strength to move, they gaze with heavy-lidded eyes at the wondrous sight of hundreds of fabulous diamonds strewn and heaped in piles all about them. The gems varying in size from a pebble to an oversized egg are smoky and unpolished, but in their depths flash vivid fires, blue and red and green and orange, and gleam through the darkness of the awesome vault like the baleful eyes of unseen beasts. Batman. Yes, Robin? I, I'm so weak. I, I can't lift a finger. Yeah, so am I. The rays from these radioactive diamonds that are getting. I know. How long do you suppose it'll be before we're fitted up with halos and harps? Not long, I'm afraid. I should have left you in Shanghai to contact Superman. Oh, brother. Oh, I'd like to see that big boy now. Not a chance. We're the only ones on the side of the law, I mean, who know about this island. Oh, if we could only beat this radioactivity long enough to, to get our hands on Chopin and Fox. If we could, I'd go out happy. Oh, it's no use. I'm just getting weaker. Batman. What's the matter, Robin? Robin. Robin. Robin, answer me. Poor kid. I guess he's done for. I... I just about am. I never thought we'd go out this way. Oh, I can't hold my head up anymore. No strength. I guess this is... This is it. There's a little island up ahead. Away! Oh, 
now. Another false alarm. No meteor, no diamonds, no big men and robins. If that island does exist, it can't be much farther from Shanghai because I know Kilfern shuttled back and forth from it. I must find it. I must. Up! Away! Okay, Kilfern, I'm ready. You better put your protective suit on if you're coming outside with me to the plane. Uh, all right. All right. Well, uh, hey, what about Batman and Robin? Will you leave them here? Well, sure. If the radioactivity in the diamond vault hasn't finished them yet, it will in a few minutes. Uh, the stones packed in the plane. At least half a million dollars worth. Uh, how about the lead glass coating? You sure he won't crack and let the rays out like he did on that, that batch we sent to Metropolis? Don't worry, Kilfer. And the coating will last long enough for us to unload all our stones and get away with our money. After that, who cares what happens? Do you? No, of course I don't. What's that noise? I don't know. There it is again. It sounded like an earthquake. Ah, I felt the floor shake. Hey, What's the matter, Joe? Is there an earthquake? No, oh, no. Something come out of the sky. What, what do you what? mean? Come out of the sky, I tell you. Something blue and red that blasted down through the diamond vault, smashed it all the smithereens, and then it went shooting up into the sky again with Batman and Robin. What are you talking about? And that red and blue thing, whatever it was. Look, behind the What? 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 That's it. That's him. See? He's got Batman and Robin. I'll just put them down. Where's my gun? Shoot him for I'll take care of him. Give me that gun. <laughs> You ought to know that bullets can't hurt people, man. Oh, you want to play rough, eh, my murdering friends? All right, if you must. Well, certainly didn't take you long, Superman. Are you all right, Batman? Sure. Thanks to you, chum. Still pretty weak. How's Robin? Well, he hasn't come around yet. Who hasn't? Hey, Robin. Thank heaven. How are you, boy? I'm weak as a kitten, but I'm raring to go. Now you're tired, boy. Oh, my, my. Don Kilfern and Fox look pretty. Laid out like rugs. You said it. Hey, how did you ever find this, Superman? Oh, a bit of deduction, plus a tip from a T-man, plus a lot of looking. I'll give you the details later. Where did the diamonds come from? Did you find out? Sure, Superman. That hump at the end of this island is a meteor full of radioactive diamonds. Oh, I see. The Fox and Kilfern got wind of it somehow and took the place over. They assembled a gang, set up distribution headquarters in Shanghai, and... We're all set to make more money than there is in Fort Knox. Well, fortunately, we nipped that little scheme in the bud. Look, uh, Batman, you and Robin stay here. This house seems to be radioactivity-proof while I round up the rest of Kilfern's gang. Then we'll take a fast trip to Metropolis on the Superman Clipper and let the police and our scientists take over here. That sounds okay to me. Let's get going, Superman. Leaving Batman and Robin briefly, Superman rounds up the rest of the smugglers' alarmed gang. Then, placing them in their disgruntled employers in Kilfern's plane with Batman and Robin, he streaks away from the fabulous island to Metropolis. So, another thrilling and amazing adventure comes to a happy conclusion for Superman and his friends, Batman and Robin. But even as they speak confidently through the skies toward Metropolis, another menacing threat is being poised at all three of our friends. Yes, a new and dangerous adventure is awaiting them in Metropolis at this very moment. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. As our story continues now, several days have elapsed since Superman's adventure on the Meteor Island. It is shortly past midnight when the insistent ringing of his bedside telephone awakens Clark Kent. Oh, oh, all right, all right. Oh. Hello, is that you, Clark? Yes, who is this? This is Bruce. Huh? Oh, oh, hello, Batman. What on earth? Clark, I've got to see you right away. Well, now, look, it's after midnight, and I'm... This is important, chum. I need your help. 
Oh, oh. All right. Where do you want me to meet? You up in front of your apartment house in 15 minutes. Okay. Hey, I'm terribly upset. I wonder what's up now. Fifteen minutes later, Superman and his guys, Clark Kent, emerges from the front door of his apartment house. Just as Bruce Wayne's powerful Batmobile comes racing down the street, his powerful headlights pouring twin of light through the darkness. As the sleek, streamlined car drives to a stop in front of him, Kent opens the door and slips into the front seat beside his friend. But before he can voice the questions that form on his lips, Batman guns the engine and his car roars down the street. After they have sped through the city of Metropolis and have reached the four-lane state highway in the suburbs, does Bruce Wayne finally relax enough to turn to camp? Thanks for coming with me, pal. That's all right. Can you tell me now what this is all about? Yeah. But hold your hat, chum, because what you're about to hear is guaranteed to curl your hair. Clark can't wait for the grim-faced Batman to reveal the reason for his urgent request for help. And in tomorrow's episode, you'll learn that Batman was only half kidding when he warned Clark Kent that the story he was about to hear would curl his hair. So don't fail to be with us tomorrow, same time, same station, to begin a new and excitingly suspenseful story of action called The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman begins one of his most dangerous adventures as, in his guise of Clark Kent, he receives an alarming midnight phone call. Uh, uh, all right, all right. Hello. Hello, Clark. Yeah. Who? Bruce Wayne, Batman. Oh, oh, hello. I'm going to see you right away. I need your help desperate. Oh, well, of course. I'll pick you up in front of your building in 15 minutes. Gang, supposing you were walking down the street one day, loaded down with a dollar you'd earned, and suddenly a stranger comes up to you, gives you the glad hand, and makes a proposition. For one dollar, one small dollar, the tenth part of ten dollars, he says, I'll sell you this beautiful box I have in my hand. Well, you look and you see it's a big, interesting-looking box and all nicely wrapped up in red, white, and blue trim. The only hitch is you can't see what's inside. Now, honestly, would you give that guy your hard-earned buck for a fancy package that contains you don't know what? Well, you'd need your head examined if you did. Because only a sucker would buy a package without opening it and seeing what's inside first. 
Now, ideas are pretty much like packages, and people are always trying to sell you ideas, which all too often are wrapped up in fancy trimmings that you can't see what you're buying. Also, more often than not, their favorite colors are red, white, and blue. Well, don't you be fooled, gang. Don't fall for this old dodge. Be smart enough to examine each idea for what it's worth. Inspect it carefully and evaluate it before you accept it. For you know that no matter how beautifully an idea is wrapped up in patriotic lingo, it isn't patriotic, it isn't American, if it is designed for you to think that one man is better than another because of his race, religion, or where his people came from. It isn't American if it suggests that you stop a man from speaking his mind just because you don't happen to agree with it. So always take a good look at the inside of an idea, boys and girls, and never mind the outside wrapping. See if what it really means is worth believing in. And then, buy it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Creeping tendrils of fog curl and billow over the rooftops of Metropolis as Clark Kent, whom we know as Superman, emerges from the front door of his apartment building and steps into the sleek, streamlined Batmobile alongside his friend Batman. But before Kent can voice the questions that form on his lips... Wayne guns the engine and the car roars down the street. Only after they have sped through the city of Metropolis and have reached the Four Lakes State Highway in the suburbs does Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman, finally relax and turn to Kent. Thanks, pal. Okay. You like telling me the score now? Sure. Only it's such a fantastic story, I hardly know where to begin. Well, suppose you tell me where we're going. To a laboratory up in the mountains. A sonic laboratory. A what? A sonic laboratory. S-O-N-I-C. Where they're experimenting with high-speed sound waves. Oh. Trying to transmit them to the moon. What? Sounds fantastic already, doesn't it? Well, it does. These are pretty important experiments, Clark. I don't know all the details, but it's got something to do with measuring the planet, getting a clear picture of the topography. Oh, by sound waves? Yes. It's something like radar. Oh. Well, there are three men living up there. Two scientists, Dr. James Vance, Dr. Harold Gordon, and a lab technician, Carl Johnson. Uh-huh. The day before yesterday, I went up to see Carl. Robin, Chicago. Oh, I see. I arrived pretty late in the evening, and a thunderstorm had broken over the mountain. Well, it was about 10 o'clock, and we were all sitting around in the shack they used for living quarters, just chewing the fat, and the storm got worse and worse. Think this will last all night, Carl? Can't tell, Bruce. Sometimes they break up as quickly as they start. Sometimes they last for hours. Well, I certainly hope it's clear tomorrow. I want to start transmitting early. Well, can't you transmit anyway, Dr. Vance? No, it's much too dangerous. You see, Bruce, we use hundreds of thousands of volts of electricity every time we turn on the equipment. And with all the electricity in the air... You can imagine what would happen if lightning hit the antenna while the transmitter was on. Of course. Now, listen to that. The storm center must be right over us. Hey, what's the matter with the lights? They're dimming. Maybe a break in the power line. Huh? Well, what is it, Gordon? There's someone in the laboratory. What? Well, there couldn't be. There is, I tell you. The door's wide open and the pilot light on the transmitter panel is burning. Great, Scott. That's why the power here is low. Come on. Hurry. Believe me, Clark, four men never got through a door as fast as we did that night. I'll bet. We didn't even stop for our wrinkles. Just turned out into the storm and ran like the devil for the lab. Uh-huh. When we were halfway there, a bolt of lightning flashed right over our heads. I heard the air around me literally sizzle. It was gas. I can imagine. Go on. Well, the lightning hit the antenna on the lab roof. In the light, I could see the outlines of two men standing like statues, their arms thrown up to the ceiling. They must have been struck by thousands of volts of electricity. Uh-oh. But Carl and I recovered almost instantly, and we raced into the lab. Hey, you were taking a chance with all that voltage. Well, we didn't think of it, Clark. We were lucky, I guess. Yeah. 
We didn't know if the men were alive or dead, but we carried them back to the shack and began working on them, applying every form of artificial respiration we knew. Any sign of life, Bruce? No, not yet. How about the other one? Dr. Vance? Yes? Is he coming around? No, I'm afraid it's useless. Well, we've got to keep working. Phone is dead. We can't get a doctor up here until morning. Yes, by that time, it may be too late. I wonder who they are. Why they broke into the laboratory. Well, their clothes are pretty ragged. Any identification? No, their pockets are empty. Uh, hey, hey, this one's coming around. Really? Yes. Uh, yes, I can feel his pulse now. I can't, Butcher. I can't. What did he say? Wait. I'm tired. Gotta stop. Can't He's go. delirious. Maybe he can understand. Uh, Wait. Can you hear me? Who are you? Harry. Harry the monk. Harry the monk? What kind of a name is that? Where did you come from? Where do you live? Oh, who wants to know? Listen, Harry. You're badly hurt. We want to help you. Nobody. Nobody helps a con. Don't kid me. A con? What's he mean? He's a convict. You just want to turn me in again. I, I won't let you. It took us months to figure this break. You won't put us back there. Butcher, butcher, help me. Don't let him. He fainted again, Clark, and a few minutes later he died. There was nothing we could do for him. I see. And the other one? There was no change. He wasn't alive, he wasn't dead. Seemed to be held in some sort of suspended animation. Ah. Well, with what Harry the Monk told us, we were able to fit some of the pieces together. He and the other one, Butcher, had apparently escaped from the state prison. About five miles from the lab, and when the storm broke, they tried to take shelter in the lab. I see. One of them must have accidentally turned on the power, and then the lightning hit them. What did you do then? We decided we'd better get in touch with the authorities, so I started down to my car. I was using my old convertible. Yeah? Well, I got halfway down the mountain road when I was blocked by a washed-out bridge. There was no other road, so I had to turn back. When I got to the lab again, there was a change in Butcher. The convict they were still working on. I don't understand it. I've never come across anything like it before. Has he improved? Yes, Bruce, he's alive. Breathing fairly regularly, too. I think we've saved him. Well, then, what's bothering you? Come inside. How is he, Dr. Vance? Well, respiration is better, but I can't stand much more. Huh? Can't stand what? Get a little closer, Bruce, and listen. What in the world is that strange noise? It comes from his throat, Mr. Wayne. What? Let's get out of here. I can't stand... I couldn't believe, Kent, that such a strange, unearthly sound could come from a human throat. I watched him carefully for a minute or so. Then I found the noise was giving me a bad earache, so I left the room, too. Couldn't you figure out what was causing it? No, there was no reason for it. No natural reason, anyway. Huh. Well, for the rest of the night, we took turns watching. By morning, he was conscious, though still weak. So I started out again, trying to reach town. This time you made it, I presume? Yes. The bridge was still out, so I had to swim the river. It was pretty tough going, but I reached town late in the afternoon and got in touch with the local police. What they told me frightened, and that's why I came to you. What did they tell you? The man we were holding up in the lab was Butcher Stark, a convict who'd escaped from the death house. A homicidal maniac. One of the most dangerous killers in the country. Bruce Wayne stares ahead grimly through the window.
windshield, and his foot presses even harder on the accelerator, sending the Batmobile roaring down the highway, gulping the miles to the laboratory. What will he and Superman find when they arrive? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Soaring through the night to a mountain laboratory in the powerful Batmobile, Bruce Wayne continues his weird story. After I told the police that Butcher Stark was at the laboratory, they promised to send a squad up after him right away. But I was still worried, and that's why I called you. Oh, I'm glad you did. How far away are we now? About another 20 miles. Oh? Well, listen, I think time is a pretty important factor right now. Why don't you let me take over? Let you take... Oh, yeah, of course. Pull over into that side road there and leave the Batmobile. I'll get us up to the lab and nothing flat. is up ahead on top of that mountain. Right. I see. Well, there's the river I had to swim. See the bridge? Yes. Hang on. We're going down. I still can't get used to this sort of thing. Oh, come on. Let's go inside. Carl? Dr. Gordon? That's funny. Great, Scott. In the next room. What? Are those your friends? Good heavens. Dr. Vance. Carl. What could have happened? We're too late. Butcher Stark is gone. Gang, there's plenty of action tomorrow in this exciting story, so don't fail to listen. Be sure to hear Chapter 2 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman.
Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman becomes fully aware of Butcher Stark's fantastic power as he and his friend Batman arrive at the secret mountain laboratory and make a terrible discovery. Inside, Wayne. Hurry. Carl? Dr. Vance? Carl, where are you? It's got the next room. Come on. But what? Look. Oh, no. Dr. Vance? Carl? Superman, they're unconscious. I know, I know. We're too late. Butcher Stark has escaped. Let me tell you a story, gang, about two friends of mine, Frank and George. Frank was a pretty fair whittler. All his pals admired the swell things he could carve out of a piece of wood. And he thought he was pretty handy with a knife. As a matter of fact, he was, too. But after a while, he began to get careful, overconfident. So much so that sometimes, when neither a table or a workbench was handy, he would whittle on his lap. Well, one day, the knife slipped, and Frank cut an artery in his arm. And only quick work on the part of the doctor saved Frank's life. Now, my other friend, George, was similarly careless with an axe. He was having a swell time at camp one summer. He liked everything connected with camping. One job he particularly liked was splitting logs for the fire. George always volunteered for that job and tried to show off by splitting as much wood as possible in an hour. However, he wasn't very careful. One day, the axe twisted a little in his hand, and the flat side of the head hit the log. This made the axe bounce crazily away, and the blade cut into George's leg. So, he spent most of the summer in the hospital and missed all the camping he loved so well. Now, gang, both these accidents could have been avoided. The important thing that these two boys did not remember is that anything with a sharp blade, whether it's a bayonet, an axe, a knife, or a razor blade, is dangerous. Don't you ever forget that. And remember that the loss of a finger, a hand, or a leg is no joke. Always be on the alert when near any sort of cutting instrument. And don't use them unless you're sure you know how. The Adventures of Superman! A sudden midnight phone call from Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman, and a hurried drive through the night to a distant mountain laboratory has plunged Superman into a strange adventure, one packed with terrifying possibilities. For a long trip, Batman related a weird story of two escaped convicts who, at the height of a raging thunderstorm, had taken refuge in a sonic laboratory housing deeply high-tension power equipment. Lightning suddenly struck the lab, charging the steel structure with thousands of volts of electricity. One of the convicts died as a result of burns, but the other survived, thanks to the unceasing efforts of the three scientists who lived in the lonely mountain camp. Then, however, Batman made a strange discovery. I don't understand why or how such a thing could happen, Clark, but as the convict got stronger, a change seemed to take place in him. When he spoke, even though his voice was weak, he made our ears hurt. Great Scott. The pain went right through and he doesn't know it yet, but when he finds out, Lord knows what he'll do. Because, and this is the payoff, he's been identified as Butcher Stark, a homicidal maniac who'd escaped from the death house, the most dangerous killer alive. But now, Batman and Superman have arrived at the laboratory, only to discover that they are too late. Two of the scientists are sprawled on the floor unconscious. Sweeping the building with his X-ray vision, the Man of Steel easily sees that Butcher Stark has escaped. 
What do we do, Superman? Take care of these men first. Think you can bring them around? I'll try. Get some water, will you? The kitchen is in there. Right. Carl. Carl, can you hear me? Ruth. Yes? You said there were three men up here, didn't you? Yes. Carl, Dr. Vance. Break guns. Where's Dr. Gordon? Here. In the kitchen. Is he unconscious, too? No, he's... He's beyond help. Oh, no. Here, here's the water and a wet towel. We've got to bring these men, too. Find out what happened. Oh, wait, right. wait. Carl's coming out of it. Uh, Carl. Carl, can you hear me? Uh, he's opening his eyes. Thank goodness. Carl. Carl, this is Bruce. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce. Bruce, it's you. Yeah. Oh, thank heavens you're here. What happened, Carl? We, we thought you'd never come. He got worse and worse. We couldn't handle him. He was a wild man. Easy, easy, man. I... When did he escape? How? That voice, it, it drove us mad. We couldn't stand it. Then he, he, he must have overheard us talking about calling the police. Now, he... wait. When did this happen? You've got to catch him, Bruce. He's a killer. I know, Carl. I know, but he's... Bruce! What's the matter with you? What? Wait a minute. Something's wrong. What? Why are you just moving your lips like that? My lips? But I... Bruce! Say something! Talk to me! Good heavens, Carly Bruce. He's deaf. He can't hear a thing. Good heavens! It... It isn't you. It's me! My... My ears! I can't hear! I'm deaf! Easy, Carl. Easy. These men need medical attention badly. You stay here, Bruce. Wait for the police. I'll take them to Metropolis and get back as fast as I can. Sorry to get you out of bed, Doctor, but these men need your help badly. I'll do what I can. What happened to them, anyway? Well, it's rather hard to explain, but briefly, they were subjected to sound in the high frequencies, and they fainted. As you see, one of them has recovered, but now he seems to be totally deaf. Hmm. Risky business. Sound is dangerous. Can kill a man if it's used the wrong way. Yes, I know. Well, I'll go in and examine them now. Thank you, Doctor. Oh, uh, do you mind if I use your phone? Not at all. I'll let you know the results of the examination as soon as I can. Fine, thank you. Hello, operator. Will you try to get through to the Sonic Laboratory near Mountain View for me? That's right. The line was out earlier tonight, but it may have been restored by now. All right. Hello? That's you, Wayne. Superman. Did you get the doctor? Yes, he's examining them now. Anything go up there? No, the police arrived a few minutes ago. Good. I told them what happened, and they've started to search the mountain for Stark. Fine. Since the only road out of here is blocked by that washed-out bridge, the police think they have a good chance of finding him. Did you tell them about his voice? Well, I I tried to, but... Well, they laughed at me. They laughed? Yes. They thought I was giving them a line. Can't blame them in a way. The story is fantastic. Yes, I know, but they may be walking right into trouble. I know. Now, look, when will you get back? As soon as the doctor finishes his examination. Good. Step on it, will you? I can't help feeling something else is going to happen. Sit tight. I'll be there before you know it. So long. Stay right where you are. Great guns. Stand still, I said. Oh, oh, my ears. What's the matter, bud? Stop it. <laughs> don't you like my voice? Stop it. You don't like it, do you? No. <laughs> well, that proves stop. I really got something now. And I'm going to make the most of it. No, no, stop. Yes, sir, I'm going to make the most of it. the last despairing cry, Bruce Wayne presses his hands to his ears frantically, then pitches headlong to the floor, where he lies deathly still, where evil laughter continues to bubble from the cruel lips of Butcher Stark, 
as he stares down at the limp figure. What is this strange power he possesses? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. The first rays of the morning sun fan out over the eastern horizon and tint the mountain crests a golden red as Superman returns from Metropolis with the results of the doctor's examination. As he swoops low over the laboratory, he suddenly pauses in midair, where something seems wrong. Then he pales as he sees his friend Batman, arms flung wide, sprawled on the floor. Speaking earthward, he breaks into the small shack. Bruce! Batman, can you hear me? Can you hear me, man? Yes, yes, it's all right, Superman. Oh, you don't have to shout. I hear you. Thank goodness, I, I thought maybe... Yes, Stark was here, but I played it cozy. I pretended I couldn't stand his voice and think. Good man. He swallowed it. When he left, I tried to follow him, but lost him. Well, then, why were you... I thought you were Stark, coming back. So I pretended I was still out. Oh, how long ago was he here? He showed up just after you called. That was no more than a half hour ago. That means he must still be somewhere on the mountain. Yes, I guess so. Okay, then I'm going after him right now. Wait, wait, take me with you. Oh, are you sure you're strong enough? Yes, of course I am. All right, then, let's go. Butcher Stark is too dangerous to run around loose another minute. See him yet? No. Not a sign of him. But we've almost covered the whole mountain. You don't have to tell me that. Look, Bruce. The doctor told me that Carl and Vance were subjected to high-frequency sound never equaled by man. A sound that can easily cause death. Then that means Butcher Stark... Right. That's why... Got to find him and stop him. Well, this is our one chance. We know he must be here on the mountain somewhere. So we've got to get him before he... Wait a minute. Down there, a man lying on the road. Who is it? Down. Down. This is the police officer who was guarding the breeches buoy that was thrown over the river. And that's the only way off the mountain. And look, there were two police squad cars here before, and now there's only one. We've failed, Bruce. Butcher Stark has escaped again. And now, with his newfound power to kill... Lord knows what will happen. As Batman bends despairingly over the unconscious officer, Superman stares down the road but can see nothing. The mad killer has broken out and is now free to use his deadly power anytime, anywhere, and on anyone. Can Superman possibly catch up to him? And if he does, what will happen? You'll find out tomorrow, gang. So be sure to listen. Don't fail to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station for Chapter 3 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. ha <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate video box, what's with kids today, huh? 
Rouses! With crits starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, did You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! <laughs> Superman, strange visitor from the planet Sun, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman begins a relentless pursuit of Butcher Stark as the escaped convict speeds toward a place of refuge, ruthlessly cutting down all opposition. I wondered when they'd show up. But I'll take care of him. All right, you out of that car. Drop that gun, copper. What the... Drop it! Oh! Oh, my ears! <laughs> That's better. Now, take yourself a nice, long nap! Oh. <laughs> They tell a story, gang, about two brothers who lived together but who continually quarreled over which one should own the house. However, being carpenters made the solution very easy for them, they figured. We'll just get out our tools, the one carpenter told his brother, and cut the house plumb down the middle. And each of us will take one half. So that's what they did. They started on the roof and sawed the house in half all the way down to the cellar. Only, of course, the two halves collapsed, as I'm sure you've already suspected, and they had to move into puff tents. Now, can you guess the moral of that story? Abraham Lincoln, paraphrasing the Bible, put it very neatly when he said, A house divided against itself cannot stand. That's the moral illustrated by the story of the two brothers. Lincoln used it in referring to the bitterness that existed between the North and the South. A bitterness that ended only after a terrible war. Lincoln's remark still makes sense. Today we're a united country, healthy and strong. A country that wants peace. A people who intend to keep democracy alive. But there are always some people in our country who are somewhat like the two foolish carpenters. People who somehow can't get along with others and spread hatred among different groups. Narrow-minded bigots they are, who apparently won't be satisfied until they've divided the house we live in. Fortunately, however, most of us are smarter than they are, or better carpenters, maybe. We know what happens when you cut through good, solid floor beams. So we do our utmost to keep intact the house we live in. And here's what we ought to tell those hate mongers. There's plenty of room here for everybody. So don't try breaking up our house, because a divided house is divided against itself and cannot stand. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman! When Butcher Stark, the escaped convict who had been struck by lightning in a mountain laboratory, was finally revived, a weird noise was heard each time he spoke. A vibrant, penetrating tone which caused great pain to any listener. 
The phenomenon, caused by the thousands of volts of electricity which had entered Stark's body after passing through the high-frequency sound equipment of the laboratory. So, a man already feared as a homicidal maniac was given added strength to resume his career of crime and death. Superman and Batman left the mountain laboratory to search for the dangerous killer. But reaching the only way out, they found the police officer left on guard lying unconscious in the roadway. And one of the two police squad cars gone. Major Stark had broken clear. Now, leaving Batman to care for the unconscious officer, the man of steel soars upward until the mountain beneath him assumes the proportions of an anthill and the winding road thin white thread. Then he circles and carefully scans the surrounding countryside. That squad car, Stark would have to stay on the mountain road, so let's see. There are no cutoffs until it reaches the town, and there it feeds into a main highway. Hey, there's a man sitting on the porch of a house right next to the intersection. Maybe he can help me. Down! Down! Good morning. Great. Hospital, if it ain't Superman. Where'd you come from? Out in the sky? Well, you might say that. Tell me, uh, have you been sitting out here long? Yep, ever since after breakfast. I always sit out here and watch the folks and the cars go by. Uh, did you see a police car turn off the mountain road a while ago? Yep, Trooper Allen's car it was, going lickety-split. That's just what I want to know. Tell me, Must you know... He's been off his speed, though. Didn't wave at me like he usually does. Oh, I shouldn't wonder. Which way did he go? Come to think of it, he wasn't wearing his uniform, neither. Please, which way did And he... I didn't exactly see his face real close. Say, maybe don't... it wasn't Trooper Allen. It wasn't. Now, will you please tell me which way he went? Uh, 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 turn on to the main highway. Going south. South. Thank you. Up, up, and away! Like a comet, the man of steel arches up into the morning sky and surveys the highway to the south. With his powerful vision, he scours the many side roads and finds them empty. And he continues his curious flight until, a few minutes later, over the town of Claremont, a suburb of Metropolis, he finally catches sight of the police car. Coming down to the narrow side street where it is parked, he examines it quickly. Oh, tank's still a quarter full. No sign of mechanical failure. Tires are still good. Now, why did he leave it? Now, let's see if he's still in town. No sign of him. Huh. Now, where in the world... Uh-oh. That's the answer. Eyes suddenly lighting on a railroad station not two blocks away, Superman realizes that Butcher Stark must have abandoned the car to continue his flight by train. So, resuming his guise of Clark Kent, he hurries over to question the station master. Uh, excuse me, can you tell me when the last train to Metropolis left this station? That's 810. Won't be another till 853. I see. Uh, were there many people getting on from here? Are you kidding? This is a commuter town. Now that train is always jammed. Oh, I don't suppose you noticed a rather heavy-set man wearing shabby clothes. Look, Mr. Me, I don't have time to notice anybody. Always, I usually see hands reaching for tickets. Oh, well, you, you, you must be conscious of voices. I mean, you hear people asking for tickets all day long. Didn't you notice a rather odd voice this morning? Well, I don't know. Well, I... think, man, please. It, it, it... Uh, say, say, you're right, I did. You did? Just as the 810 pulled in, a fellow whispered to me. Could hardly hear him. Bought a ticket to the city. Fine. Do you know if you made that train? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when does it arrive in Metropolis? 853. 53, huh? That gives me less. 20 minutes. All right, thank you. Thanks a lot. Striding quickly out of the station, the mild-mannered reporter finds a hidden corner in a massive express and baggage, and there, resuming his true identity of Superman, arrows down the tracks in pursuit of the train and butcher starts. Up, up, and away! Just as the train bearing the man he believes to be Butcher Stark winds across the many switches of the large metropolis railroad yards to begin the final run through four miles of tunnel to the terminal, 
Superman catches up with it and landing on the rear platform of the last car, he again becomes Clark Kent. Then he begins a careful search of the train. <coughs> Through one car after another, Kent worms his way along crowded aisles, scanning every face as the train roars closer and closer to Metropolis. <coughs> the third car, nothing. The fourth car, nothing. The fifth, the sixth, the seventh, still nothing. Finally, he reaches the front car of the train. Slowly, as though afraid to reach the last row of seats, walks through the aisle, his keen eyes searching. He passes a young couple, an elderly man, two soldiers, a girl immersed in a morning tabloid, a mother with two children, a young businessman. And then, there are only three people left, all men seated in the last row of seats. Kent takes a tentative step forward and suddenly freezes as his keen ears pick up a hoarse whisper. Excuse me, mister. Can you tell me what time we get to the terminal? Uh-oh. That's him. That's the killer, Butcher Stark. Superman has finally caught up to Butcher Stark. What will happen when they meet face to face? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. The desperate search is over. Superman and his guys of Clark Kent has finally caught up to Butcher Stark on a commuter train less than five minutes away from the Metropolis Terminal. Realizing there might be danger to the other passengers in the car should he close with the escaped convict now, Kent strides back to the conductor who is waiting on the car platform. I beg your pardon, sir, but is there any way for you to stop this train now? Delay its arrival for a few minutes? Stop the train? What for? There's an escaped convict sitting up in that seat there, right next to the window. If he should get loose in the crowds at the terminal, we'll never be able to... Now, just a minute there. How do I know that... I'm Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. I've trailed that man all the way from the mountains upstate. He's a killer. He escaped from the death house day before yesterday. Oh, yeah? We've got to stop him now. Once we're in the terminal, it'll it'll be too late. Well, I can't stop the train here. We'd mess up the whole schedule. Well, there must be something you can do. This is... Hey, you're not pulling my leg now. I swear I'm not. Okay, I'll see what I can do. You better wait here. All right, but hurry, man, hurry! Tensely, Kent watches as the conductor walks up the aisle of the car and pauses at the door to the front platform to stare curiously at Butcher Stark. No! No, don't stare at him! Don't! But his whispered warning is too late. Stark, alive to any strange gesture or incident, suddenly rises and walks back down the aisle straight toward Kent. Now it looks as if it's up to me. Out of my way, bud. Hold it, Stark. You're not going anywhere. Oh, no. Don't start anything here. I'm warning you. Warn all you want, bud. You can't stop me. Oh, my ears. Stark's evil laughter roars through the train. Windows are shattered. Electric light bulbs explode and passengers clutch their ears in sudden unbearable pain. Kent standing right beside the convict suddenly pales, then falls helplessly backward. Well, it looks as if Stark's ghastly power has overcome the might of Superman himself. What will happen now? Can the killer be stopped? There's a startling new development in Monday's exciting episode, gang. So don't fail to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 4 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serials soon to be shown at your local movie theater.
you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, having followed a trail from the Sonic Laboratory to Metropolis, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, finally comes face-to-face with Butcher Stark and falls victim to his deadly power. Out of my way, bud. Don't start anything, Stark. This is as far as you go. Oh, yeah? That's what you think. Oh, what's up? Changing your mind now, ain't you? Oh, my ears. Hurts, <laughs> don't it? It hurts real bad. Stop it. Hurts, don't it? Of you can. Nobody can. <laughs> Nobody in the whole cockeyed world can stop what you start now. <laughs> Have you ever had a really bad sunburn, gang? You know, the kind where you itch all over and it hurts to be touched? Well, I know a boy who was once so badly sunburned that he almost had to go to the hospital. You see, he lived near a beach every summer for several years, but for some reason or other, had never had a real sunburn. But last summer, on the first hot day, he went down to the beach early in the morning. He stayed all day, eating lunch there, and by five o'clock, he began to wonder why he itched so much. Then on the way home, he noticed his skin was the color of a very ripe tomato and was very hot. And soon it was so sore that even the touch of his clothes was a searing pain. Of course, his mother quickly called the doctor, who arrived to find him on the bed, moaning in agony. The doctor applied some soothing cream and fed him some drugs to put him to sleep. But he told my friend's mother that if the boy had remained in the sun a little longer, it might have been necessary to take him to the hospital. The trouble was, the doctor explained, the boy didn't know that you must build up an immunity to the sun's rays. That means expose yourself for just a short while at first and gradually increase the time in the sun. Now, gang, you don't want to be in my friend's predicament, do you? Well, to avoid that, try to remember these rules suggested by the American Red Cross. One, build up immunity to sunburn little by little. Two, use a good sunburn ointment. Three, if you do get a sunburn, apply calamine lotion. That's C-A-L-A-M-I-N-E, calamine, or a tannic acid solution and jelly. Remember, doctors will tell you that a sunburn is a real burn like that from a fire and is not healthy. Be smart. Avoid too much sun. Be content to brown gradually. <laughs> The Adventures of Superman! Attention! All cars District 9. All cars District 9. Proceed at once to Metropolis Railroad Terminal. Emergency. Fire equipment and ambulances already notified. Operate on Disaster Plan 3. The normal rush and bustle of the Metropolis Railroad Terminal during the morning hours has suddenly become disorder and confusion. Throngs of commuters pause in their usual mad dash to work to cluster near the train gates and watch open mouths as scores of ambulance orderlies file between police lines carrying stretcher loads of unconscious men and women as Perry White, Daily Planet editor and mayor of Metropolis, approaches the scene. 
Oh, Mayor White, I'm glad you got here, sir. Hello, Kane. Where's Inspector Henderson? He was way uptown when the alarm came in, told me to act as his deputy. What's the story here? We we don't exactly know yet. What do you mean, you don't exactly know? What happened to that train? Oh, why are the windows all broken? Well, this is the story as I've gotten it so far, sir. The train was the regular commuter local from Claremont. It was running on time. Everything was normal. Yes, yes. It started to pull in on this track here when suddenly there was a strange noise of some kind. All the windows in the front two cars were shattered and the train came to an automatic stop right where you see it. What do you mean by a strange noise? Was it uh, an explosion of some kind? No, sir. At least there's no evidence of any explosion, that is. There's no damage to any of the cars other than the broken windows and, oh yes, all these light bulbs are gone, too. Everything made of glass is shattered. Hang on, Kane. Do you mean to tell me that all this was caused by a strange noise? There seems to be no other explanation, sir. Everyone who heard it was conscious of a sharp pain, like a, a severe earache. And then it was all over. Well, that's the most fantastic thing I ever heard of. Uh, I want to examine the cars myself. Yes, sir. This one. Seems Mayor White, the center of the... Well, whatever happened, seems to have been... Hey, well, here. watch where you're going, Kate. You almost stepped on that man. Oh, sorry. One of the stretcher bearers should come for him. Great Caesar's ghost. Well, what's the matter? Yes, it's Clark Clark Kent. Well, I'll... Kent. Kent, come on, come on. Snap out of it, boy. Snap out of it. Oh. Uh, he's opening his eyes. Oh, Easy, what? boy. Easy. Oh. Easy. Chief, how did you... No, 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 Kent. Don't try to sit up. We'll have you taken right to the hospital. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I'm all right now, Chief. It would be better, Mr. Kent. You should have a doctor look you over. I don't need a doctor. I'm all right. No, you are, eh? Then why do you keep shaking your head like that? Hell, it's a funny buzzing noise in my ears. Uh, look, Chief, I, I've got something to tell you. Let's get out of here. All right. Kane, I'm going back to my office in City Hall with Kent. If anything new develops, call me now. How do you feel now, Kent? Oh, all right, Chief, but my head is still ringing like a Chinese gong. Mm, that's funny. All the other people in those first two cars are still unconscious. How in the world did you recover so quickly? Oh, I... I, I was lucky. As usual. Say, what in tarnation were you doing on that train anyhow? I was trying to catch the man who was responsible for what you saw there. Well, what man is that? Butcher Stark. What? Killer who escaped from the death house at state prison day before yesterday. Stark. You, you, you mean he's here in Metropolis? That's right. Great, gee, Hossip. I mean, no, no, what, no, what, what wait a minute, wait a minute. This is going to be pretty hard for you to swallow, so I suggest you just sit down, loosen your collar, and listen hard for two minutes. All right. All right, Ken, go on, go on. Let me have it, let me have it. Well, it began last night. At least that was when I was brought into it. That ma- I mean, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne picked me up in his car and drove me up to the mountains. While we were... Uh, now, wait. What time was this? A little after midnight. Oh, that's a strange time for a drive. Uh, but go on. Well, it, it seems Bruce had been visiting a friend up at a sonic laboratory in the mountains. A sonic laboratory? Yes, you, you know, where they experiment with the power of sound. Oh, oh, oh yes. Well, uh, while he was there, two men who were later identified as escaped convicts broke into the lab. And one of them was Stark? Right. But as it happened, there was a thunderstorm up there at the time, and a heavy bolt of lightning struck the lab while the two convicts were in it. Uh-oh. One of them died soon after, but Stark somehow managed to survive. And when he came to... There was a strange sound coming from his throat. Well, what do you mean by strange? Uh, a whistle? Or no, you, you might call uh, it a, an electronic hum. And what would an electronic hum be? Well, I, I can't explain exactly, Chief, except that it... Well, it, it, it's a deadly penetrating sound. And that was coming from Stark's throat? Yes. Incredible. Apparently that bolt of lightning passing through the high-frequency sonic equipment of the laboratory made Butcher Stark capable of creating deadly sound. Sound that so far has knocked people unconscious and broken windows. And there's no telling what will happen should he really shout. Now, no, wait a minute. Look here, Kent. Are you trying to make me believe that a man can knock people out with his voice? No, I told you it would be hard to believe. When you hear the rest. As Stark grew stronger, his voice apparently became more and more unbearable. By the time I reached the laboratory with Bruce, one of the scientists was dead, the other two were unconscious, oh, no. and Butcher Stark was gone. Oh. 
And then, well, to make a long story short, I went after him. Traced him to Claremont, found out he'd boarded a train from Metropolis. I caught up to the train. Now, how do you manage that? Well, that isn't important, Chief. What is important is that Stark grew suspicious and started to leave. I tried to stop him, but he just raised his voice and... You know the rest. And you mean to say that more than a hundred people were knocked unconscious by, uh, by by his voice alone? That's right. I was standing right next to him. It was awful. The pain went right through my head. I, I just couldn't take it. Kent, I had known you for a long time. You're one of my best reporters. But honestly, I can't swallow this yarn. It's ridiculous. Chief, all you have to do is get hold of Bruce Wayne. He'll tell hey, you. Excuse me. Yes? Oh, send him in. Speak of travel. Bruce? Yeah. Kent Bruce, just the man I want to see. What happened to you, Kent? I've been looking all over town for you. Well, I... Your office, your apartment. I just came here to ask Mayor White about you. I met up with Butcher Stark, and I couldn't hold him. What? Uh, Wayne, is uh, he telling the truth? Does Butcher Stark have a voice that can knock people unconscious? Butcher Stark? Who's he? Bruce, didn't you take Kent up to a sonic laboratory last night and tell him a story about a man who'd been struck by lightning? Me? I certainly did not. Bruce, are you out of your mind? On the contrary, Kent, you must be losing yours. Because I haven't the slightest idea of what you're talking about. Stunned by Bruce Wayne's flat denial, Kent sinks back in his chair and stares at his friend, who merely looks at Perry White and shrugs his shoulders. What is the meaning of this obvious lie? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! With a flat denial of his part in the strange adventure at the Sonic Laboratory, Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman, has put Kent in a difficult position. And now, a few minutes later, when he and Bruce have left City Hall, Kent demands an explanation. All right, Bruce, what's the idea? Give. Sorry, Kent, but I had to do it. Why? You made me look like an idiot. The chief thinks I'm crazy. It was the only way. We can't let the news leak out. What are you talking about? I saw Johnson and Dr. Vance this morning. Oh? They warned me that Butcher Stark is in possession of a deadly power. Well, of course he and is. And if people knew about it, they'd be panic-stricken. It's got to be kept quiet until he can be stopped. But I still don't see why you... another had... thing. Stark is no great intellect. I doubt if he knows what to do with his power right now. But if somebody who is smart knew what he could do and got hold of him... Oh, I get it. But we may not be able to keep it a secret forever, you know. If we can keep quiet just until we catch him. I caught him, Wayne. He was standing right in front of me, and I couldn't do a thing about it. Well, you weren't ready for yes, him. Yes, I was. And his voice knocked me cold. You know, so strange as it may sound, I think Superman is more vulnerable to Stark than anyone else. Are you kidding? No. You see, my hearing is keen. Keener than anyone else. And that's where Stark's great power lies. So unless I can find some way to withstand his voice, I, Superman, am utterly helpless. <laughs> Worried look creasing his brow, Superman expresses his inner sense of helplessness against Butcher Stark, the one man in the world whose power seems great enough to conquer the Man of Steel. What will Superman do? What can he do? And what will be Butcher Stark's next move? Gang, you're in for a startling surprise in our next suspense episode, so don't fail to listen. Same time, same station, to episode five of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, resumes his pursuit of Butcher Stark as he discusses with Bruce Wayne the escaped convict's fantastic new power that may surpass even his own might. You see, Bruce, Stark's big trump card is the sonic power of his voice. He can make people uncomfortable when he whispers. Don't I know it. If he raises his voice only a trifle, he shatters anything made of glass. If he should ever shout at the top of his lungs... Oh, I hate to think what would happen then. After all, Kent, you're Superman. Yes, yes, and that makes me more vulnerable than anyone else. Well, how do you figure that? Being Superman, I'm gifted with keener hearing than anyone in this world. Therefore, I'm more sensitive to Stark's voice than anyone. And if I don't find some way to conquer the sonic power in his voice, I'll lose again, and I'll lose every time we meet. Gang, I'm sure you've all seen Abbott and Costello in the movies. Well, do you recall how those poor guys always take it on the chin? Yes, I do mean always. Why, if there's a bucket of glue a mile off, you just know they're going to fall in it. And if custard pies are being thrown, you just know who's going to get hit in the face. Yet you always laugh, you love it. Everybody just howls with laughter because naturally a fall guy is very, very funny. Well, what do we mean by fall guy? Just exactly that. The guy who falls for everything. The stooge. The bird who puts his foot into it by swallowing what other people tell him. Oh, sure, there's plenty that's likable about some fall guys. Mostly, though, we just laugh at them. But certainly nobody wants to be a fall guy in real life. But without knowing it, lots of people are. For instance... When you swallow phony rumors about persons whose race or religion is different from your own, you're being a fall guy for the troublemakers. And when you allow prejudice to influence your opinion of another fellow, uh-uh, watch out, you're being a fall guy. Or when you fail to look for character as the most important quality in your friends, which is much more important than what side of the tracks they live on, just remember, pal, in funny movies, people like Abbott and Costello are always getting in Dutch for trusting the wrong people. In other words, don't let mean people with mean ideas ever take you for a sucker. Be alert, be alive, be on your own. Know which way you're going. That way you won't ever be the fall guy who goes kerplunk, yes, kerplunk, in a bucket of glue. And now, the adventures of Superman. Created by the chance fusion of man's mechanical genius and the awesome power of the elements... The escaped convict, Butcher Stark's deadly strength is now a servant to his warped criminal brain, transforming him into one of the most dangerous men alive. And to Superman, falls the gigantic task of finding one man in a city of more than seven million. As our story continues, Superman, in his guise of Clark, is in his midtown apartment, where he discusses the situation with his friend Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman. Together, they try to formulate a plan for their next move. Metropolis is a big town, Bruce. Gonna be a tough job. You bet. How are we gonna find him? First, we must make sure he does not leave Metropolis by asking Mayor White to order the police to guard every road, bridge, and tunnel leading out of the city. Okay. Then what? Well, Stark may have come to Metropolis because he knew someone here who would hide him. 
So maybe if we tackle that angle, we could check his pals from two sources, the state prison and the police records here. Oh, I see. Then we narrow the field down by checking up on each one personally. Is that it? Just about. Now, you go up to the state prison. And... I was afraid I'd get that job. And remember one thing, Bruce. We've got to move fast. If Stark should ever get smart enough to know how to use his Oh, power... brother, anything can happen. Right. At present, Stark knows how to use his voice, but he doesn't know what to do with it. We've got to catch up to him before someone with brains takes him in hand. Well, talking about it won't get us anywhere. Right, let's go. Oh, wait, you've got company. Oh, great, of all times. Oh, no, you stay back. I'll answer it. Say you're not home. Good idea, Bruce. Yes? Mr. Clark, Kent's apartment? Yes. Thank Just you. Just a minute. He isn't home. Isn't home? Then who's that? Why, uh... You are Mr. Kent, aren't you? Now, now, look here. Oh, let it go, Bruce. What can I do for you, miss? I'm Miss Graham, your nurse. I've been assigned to your case by Mr. White. Now, will you please go to bed? I'm not sick. On the contrary, you're quite ill. A brain specialist and a psychiatrist will be here in a few minutes to examine What? Oh, brother, this is rich. It's no laughing matter. Mr. Kent is very ill. Now, will you kindly go into your bedroom and disrobe, Mr. Kent? And you, sir, please show me where the clothes are. <laughs> well, uh, here, I'll show you, Miss Graham. You should be getting into bed. Yes, yes, sure. All right, all right. Here, here's the closet. Thank you. Now, will you please... Sorry, Miss Graham, but I have to do this. Sir, <laughs> what are you doing? Hand me that chair. Hurry. Yeah, here. Yeah, that should hold her. But you can't leave her locked in that closet. She'll only be there a few minutes. You heard it say a couple of doctors were coming. I'll leave the front door open for them. Come on, let's go. Together, the two men stride quickly down the hall to the self-service elevator, and Kent jabs angrily at the call button as Bruce Wayne stands by, smiling broadly. When the elevator appears, two distinguished-looking men step out. Kent ducks his head in quick alarm. Doc Bruce, quickly! Hey, what goes here? Quiet! Okay, but... Okay, come on, Bruce, fast! Boy, that sure was close. You think those were your doctors? And they looked like it. Now look, you beat it up to the state prison and I'll check the police files. And we'll meet the thief in my apartment. Meanwhile, some distance across the city, a strange meeting is taking place in a large warehouse near the waterfront. Contrasting strangely with the dusty, crate-filled storage chambers is an ornate private office where soft, indirect lighting gleams over a deep-tufted carpet, heavy mahogany desk, and comfortable chairs. However, the calm, peaceful setting belies the scene taking place in the room as a man and a woman face each other across the desk, his eyes cool and mocking, hers flaming angrily. Well, Vico, what do you say? So the uh, famous Scarlet Widow comes out of the, uh, shall we say, retirement with another one of her fabulous plans for power. Eh? You may skip the sarcasm, Vico. I didn't ask for comment on my plan. No, you asked for my help so that you can regain your former position, correct? Yes. Well, what's your answer? My answer, madam, is no. You're a fool. No, I'm now a respectable businessman. Oh, you've become soft, because... Not soft, widow. Just careful. You know, the law in Metropolis has been very stiff since Perry White became mayor. <laughs> so, you're afraid of White, eh? Maybe yes, maybe no. Anyhow, I see no reason to risk my new reputation by helping has been. How dare you say such a thing to me? <laughs> if you'll excuse me, widow, I'm a very busy man. Wait. Because you must help me. You must. I told you I'm busy. The door's behind you, good. Very well. Thank you for giving me so much of your valuable time. I shall not bother you again. That will suit me fine. Goodbye, Vico. Santa Marie. Hello, Vico. Who is it? Surprised to see me, eh? Whirling in the direction of Vico's horror-stricken gaze, the Scarlet Widow sees the large hulking figure of a man framed in the doorway. A man she doesn't recognize, 
but one whose hoarse, quivering voice immediately identifies him as Butcher Stark. What is the escaped convict doing here? What will this mean to Superman? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! Having been denied assistance for some strange new scheme to return to power, the infamous Scarlet Widow, one of Superman's most hated enemies, was about to leave Big Frank Miko's office in a downtown warehouse when the door opens to admit Butcher Stark. Now the Scarlet Widow stands in the doorway, transfixed. The Stark lumbers toward the desk behind which Miko is slowly rising from his chair. Hello, Miko. Surprised to see me? What? What are you doing here, Butcher? I thought you... You thought I was up in the state pen, getting ready to walk that last mile, huh? It's supposed to happen tomorrow, but it ain't gonna happen now. Well, uh, what are you doing here? I figured you'd want to help me, Vico. Seeing as how you didn't come up for me at the trial like you were supposed to. Well, that, uh, that was a mistake. Sure, sure. So now you're gonna make up for it, ain't you? What do you mean? Hide me someplace till the heat's off. Then give me some dough. Say a grand a week. Regular. See that I go living nice and easy. Get your hands up, butcher. Put down that gun. No, not until you're back in the death house where you belong. Put it down, I say. Oh, what? Drop the rod. <laughs> oh, my head. I picked up a mighty fancy trick since I've been gone, Vicko. Oh. A trick that'll make me King Ken around here. Oh. <laughs> Look at him drop. It's so easy. So easy. <laughs> Would you mind lowering your voice? Please, I can't stand it much longer. Oh. So, you saw it, huh? Yes. I was in back of you. I saw you do it with your voice. Just your voice. I could feel it myself. Yeah. Pretty good, ain't it? Pretty good. My friend, you don't know how good. Sit down. I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> off guard by the sudden oily sweetness in the Scarlet Widow's voice. Butcher Stark allows himself to be pushed into a chair and listens as she begins to speak quickly and forcefully. So now what Superman and Batman have most feared has come to pass. Butcher Stark's terrible power is revealed to someone who knows how to use it. And as Superman said, anything can happen now. You won't want to miss our next action episode tomorrow, gang. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. And hear chapter six of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch Superman adventure serials soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!